Here they come! Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Tim Spaulding to discuss the hover bike chase scene from the 90s take on Judge Dredd. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. Hello, Tim. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Off, off we go. Tim, first question for you is mm-hmm. I said to you, let's do an episode, choose a subject. I'm very curious as to why you came up with the 1995 Judge Dredd. <coughs> I had, sorry, I had, uh, I recently watched it and, and for the first time in, in many, many, many years. And I was. T- you know this movie. This movie came out in 1995, and I thought that it was kind of an interesting film to talk about in terms of effects, because it came at such an interesting time frame for uh, uh, special effects in the film industry. That mid 90s era mm-hmm. was a transition. So you had that transition from uh, practical to digital, and this. This is a good movie that sort of was one of the last movies done in the old style mm-hmm. before it tran- before things started to transition into primarily digital. And uh, and that's and, and as I was watching the movie I kept I kept thinking, wow, they, like I for some reason I thought the movie had more digital effects than it actually did. Mm-hmm. And it really was one of the last primarily practical effect films that 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 uh, that was made in terms of large hollywood budget yeah and it's interesting that also the other thing that you proposed was lost in space which you can very much say was one of these transition films wasn't it yes and actually lost in lost in space which at some point we should talk about because it again that is an interesting film to talk about effects wise. Hmm. I mean, but neither, neither judge Dredd or lost in space space are, uh, uh, monumental films by any stretch of the imagination. But when you talk about it in terms of the production of the effects, they do become much more interesting. Okay. All right. So before you watch this film back in 95, I'm very interested in this because, um, Judge Dredd 2000 AD comic is very much, um, um, you know, uh, seen as a very, very much a British uh, product uh, with a uh, a very British uh, sensibility. So before you saw the film, did you know anything about Judge Dredd? I mean, I was a comic book fan, uh, but I had never read Judge Dredd books. I, I knew I knew the character. Judge Dredd, but that's it. I didn't know any of the side characters. I didn't know the setting of the film or of the of the the comics. I just knew that he was like a 
in my mind, I thought of him, you know, he's like a super cop. Mm-hmm. Super cop. Yeah, I suppose that covers it. Yeah, judges are like super cops. It's, it's, it's like the police that we have, you know, in our modern world, extrapolated and exaggerated into, into the modern world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I, I was there at the beginning in 77 with 2000 AD, uh, came out February um, 1977 and Judge Dredd came out in issue two um, and it's of course it's got a long history and uh, Judge Dredd you, you know over that time it can be many many things you know it could be straight science fiction it can be horror it can be satirical uh, it can be gritty it can be incredibly funny um, and when they announced that they were going to make a Judge Dredd film it's like oh I don't know because um <laughs> Yeah, I, I had been jaded by so many past adaptations, you know, of comic characters, you know, because it's a bit like books. You know, you read a comic, you read a comic of Superman, Batman in your mind. You've got your own yeah. idea of how that person looks, how that person talks, you know. Um, and so it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, plus also, you know this time we're talking about 1995 or 1994 when they made it, you know, it was the era of giant action movie stars, wasn't it? So, um, you know, you had your Bruce Willis's, you had your Arnold Schwarzenegger's, you had your Sylvester Stallone. So when they suddenly go, Sylvester Stallone is judge dread. I'm thinking, Oh dear. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with, with Stallone, I mean, when you see him with the helmet on, he looks, he looks like the character. Um, so physically I could see where they were going for with Stallone, Hmm. but, um, you know, most of the movie, he didn't have the helmet on because it's like, it's Stallone. You want to show his face. Yeah. So I knew, uh, I knew that as soon as they said Sylvester Stallone, it's like, he's not going to keep the helmet on. Now, the thing about judge dread in the comics is he always keeps his helmet on because John Wagner, uh, one of the co-creators of judge dread, you know, uh, judge dread is the epitome of law. You know, he's not a person. He is the law, as he says so often in in, in the comics, you know, and very often in the comics, he is seen without his helmet on. But it's always obscured by shadow or he's been shot and he's got bandages, which quite coincidentally covers up his (laughs) (laughs) the area of his face that you don't see when he's wearing the helmet, you know. Uh, there was an, also a, a, a story where he's having a bath and he's still wearing the helmet, you know, and, yeah. and you know, so you know that he's going to take his helmet off. So it's like, OK, I'm not going to expect too much from this, you know. Um, and also, I mean, I don't know about you, Tim, but Sylvester Stallone, for me, I I really liked him in Rocky. I really liked him in First Blood. Um, but after that, it was like dimin- diminishing returns. He seemed to become more of a, caric- a caricature of his screen persona rather than anything new. He, the, the, I think Stallone shines when he's trying to play the every man. Mm. So yeah, when you Rocky, um, yeah, the, 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 the first, first blood, um, Copland, you know, things like that. The, the the smaller films, I think he does better. But, I mean, I do enjoy some of his his big action movies, but I prefer Stallone in those more relatable roles. Yeah. Um, and this, again, is not a relatable role. No. <laughs> this, is, this is a role for him where you're like, mm, 
It's one of these uh, films where he, like Michael Caine, very often, you're not watching a character, you're watching that actor, you know, you're yeah. watching, that's not Alfred in Batman, that's Michael Caine, you know, Th this is not a whatever character, that's Sylvester Stallone going through the motions, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and that, and I think that that's that that's actually what ended up hurting the film in a lot of ways was Stallone. No, um, I mean, there's a lot of things that hurt the film. This this is this is a this is a classic case of a film that just had too many too many cooks in the kitchen, mm -hmm. all pushing to get their ideas made and their idea of what the film should be, and there was no cohesive vision. That in it ended up sort of wrecking yeah. the final product. Yeah. But also, you know, John Wagner has said, you know, for all the faults, and there are many for Sylvester Stallone, this film wouldn't have been made if it wasn't for Sylvester Stallone, you know? So you owe it to him because the film would never have happened in the first place. Yeah. And it's in it when it when it came out. I remember I remember working at the theater. I remember having that that Judge Dredd poster up with the close up of his face and mm -hmm. thinking, "Oh man, this film's gonna rule," you know. Because I, back then, it's like you, you, Stallone was a star, but and I hadn't necessarily formed all my uh, all my opinions of film and and what makes a good film and what makes a bad film. Uh, but I remember just judging on the poster, oh, this movie's going to rule. And then going, then when it came out, was, I remember seeing it with Chris and Dave, and or at least Chris. I don't know if Dave was there. And just sitting there and watching it and being like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this movie. But after 20-some-odd years of it being released, you can go and watch it now and sit back and, and remove those, remove your expectations and just – enjoy it for what it is now yeah um because there are some neat there are some neat things in this movie mm. uh that are that are worth talking about and seeing uh that it's 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 not it's not one of those movies where you just like don't waste your time don't don't yeah. don't go and see it don't just move on to something else yeah, you're totally right. If you go into it knowing what a train wreck of a film it can be, there are things, you know, that are of merit. I mean, you know, I like I like the opening, especially the, the, the very opening with the with the credit crawl and you've got mm -hmm. James L. Jones yeah. doing the narration. In the year 2018. Yeah, whatever yeah. I don't like the way he says Cursor Ed Earth. <laughs> Cursor Ed Earth. Cursor Ed Earth. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, I love the Aspen shuttle coming in. You know, I, I wish yeah. that sequence had been a bit longer because we could have done it in this show. But it's over and done with real quick. But I like the Aspen shuttle coming into the city wall. I like the look of the city. The city looks amazing. That's exactly how it should be. It, uh, that, that's how it is in the comics. And one of the reasons why it looks so good is they had a uh, conceptual artist by the name of uh, Kevin Walker, who was an artist in 2000 AD and had drawn Judge Dredd for a very long time. So mm. an awful lot of the looks that you get of the city, you know, the Hall of Justice, whatever, uh, Mean Machine, Hammerstein, the robot, you know, the vehicles, they all look fabulous because it's Kevin Walker doing it, you know. Um, yeah. And visually, 
that part of it looks fantastic and i don't have a problem with that helmet it's a bit of a tweak on the design i don't have a problem with it but oh my boy uh, oh boy those um those shoulder pads those gold shoulder pads <laughs> you, they, those are those are 50 footers basically if he's standing 50 <laughs> feet away from you they look great but as soon as he gets up close and you, and they and they could not for whatever reason, I, I wish they had tweaked the soundtrack because when he's moving around, you can hear that they're plastic. Yeah, uh, um, you can you can hear them you can hear them rattle the plastic. I'm like, wow! But but again, at 50 feet away, they look yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, as as a I mean, but nowadays when you when you see it, it's when he gets up close, you can you know you can see people at conventions that have better costumes than yeah than the one that they created for this. But even the ones where they've done them better, they're not practical. They look great in a comic, but you transform that into 3D and it is impractical. You know, I mean, I used to troop as a sand trooper and very often I would have to walk sideways through a door because I had this pauldron on one of my (laughs) shoulders, you know. So for that, that's even worse. But the fact that it's shiny gold, you know, in the 2012 dread film you know they muted everything down and that's fine mm-hmm. but in this it's just shiny shiny gold um and in the comics they were yellow okay the shoulder pads were yellow in the comics now so in my mind because i was there at the beginning judge dread always had yellow shoulder pads even carlos esquera you know the co-creator of um uh, judge dread the artists of judge dread have said no they were always meant to be gold but because the limitations of color printing we could never print it as gold so we we printed it as yellow mm-hmm. but i would much rather they had been a muted yellow than this horrible blingy gold you know yeah i mean, that was but that, again that was the 90s everything was flashy yeah true. Uh, so yeah so they they had to make things shiny and and flashy and and unscratched and all that kind of stuff this is very true and also it's the 90s it's the time of the cod piece as well exactly (laughs) yeah cod pieces oh dear um but yeah i mean i i I liked all those bits but oh man i the script was awful Hmm. Um, now what is your take on rob schneider I mean, I get why he was there. I don't. Was he? A, was he a, an actual character from the book? Right. Okay. Fergie or Fergie. Um, in the comic, he was in it only for a couple of issues. Now, you've got a of mice and men. Okay. You know the novel and the film of, yeah. and the play of, of mice and men. Who's the big guy? Is it Lemmy? Uh, um, Lenny. Lenny's the big guy. Yeah. Yeah. If you imagine Lenny from of mice and men in a baseball cap with like a, a waistcoat on and a baseball bat, uh, basically a, a severely mentally handicapped person. That's who Fergie was. So you've got to imagine him as this big hulking guy, six foot, six foot and a half, you know, um, very, very muscular. That's Fergie. Okay. Uh. Um, and somehow they transferred him into Rob Schneider. Now, I don't know why. I don't know if you're going to do that. Why give him the name of this person who's nothing to do with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, they needed, they needed a sidekick. They needed a, someone for comic relief, I guess. Hmm. Uh, They needed, they needed someone to cower uh, when action was happening. But whether whether Schneider was the right choice, uh, 
Uh, yeah, probably not. See, I can't stand him. I really can't stand him. I can't even look at him. You know, he just irritates me so much. He is know. the Jar Jar of this movie. Uh, yeah, uh, he, there you he, go. He's, 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 he's the one where you could definitely edit down a lot of his stuff. But I will say, I, 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 I find myself, it, it pops into my head where I, when I'm in like cafeterias or, or at a, uh, Sometimes at uh, food uh, uh, um, uh, vending machines, I in my head a lot of times, especially if I'm getting coffee out of like one of those bowling alley coffee machines, mm-hmm. I'll, in my head I'll be like, eat recycled food, and I'll <laughs> in, in my head I will say that. Sometimes I'll say it out loud, but like especially yeah, if I'm, if I'm getting yeah, as I said, like if I'm getting coffee from one of those coffee machines that. At a bowling alley or at uh, or at a, a, a rest area when you're driving down the the interstates, in my head I'm thinking, eat recycled food. Yeah, but that's not Rob Schneider. That's the mach- that's the robot that trundles along. You know. Yeah, yeah. You're giving him far too many props <laughs> there, Tim. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I I can't abide him, so that's a big problem. I we've mentioned it already i hate the fact that he takes his helmet off but we knew that was going to happen in all the pre-publicity photos you see him without his helmet it's like well that's wrong Mm -hmm. um i hate the kiss at the end uh yeah (laughs) because you've got to put a kiss in at the end uh i hate i hate the fact that the judges have a social life hershey seems to have a social life which is just wrong uh you go into the Academy of Law when you're very small um, as a child and you come out as a judge and that's what you do until you die. You know, you don't go home. You don't have a social life, you know. So all these tamperings I had a real problem with, but I knew it was going to happen because, as, as I say, all these other adaptations of um, comic film, apart from the original Superman, um, that's the only um, uh, comic adaptation that, I didn't have a problem with all the other ones had just taken liberties, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Um, one, uh, one of the things that I, that I thought that I was, as I was watching this is, um, if, well, there's, there's a, there's a big chase sequence, uh, where they're flying on the hover cycle through the city. And you see things explode, and they're chasing, and cars, cops are chasing, and and I couldn't help but think that if, uh, as I was watching it, I couldn't help but think that if Lucas had made uh, Attack of the Clones just a few years earlier, that it would have looked like Judge Dredd. It would have had mm-hmm. rotoscoping and uh, rear projection, which is pretty much what that was—rear projection and rotoscoping. Yeah. And I couldn't help but think, wow, this is this is if if um, if Attack of the Clones was made seven years earlier in 1995, this is probably what that chase sequence in in Attack of the Clones would have looked like. You yeah. would have had you would have had this rotoscoped car that Anakin and Obi Wan are in, and it's a slightly different hue then it's surrounding so it has that it has that that cut look like it's a like it's cut out of a magazine mm. uh, on a on the background and I, and I couldn't help but think that as I was watching it it's funny you, you you mentioned that I'd never made that connection but you're absolutely right um the way it's lit and everything it could be attack of the clones couldn't it yeah 
Yeah. It, it's 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 almost like if that city is very much like if you took Coruscant and Gotham City from uh, the first Batman movie and they had mm-hmm. a baby. Yeah. It would be it would be uh, Mega City or whatever they call it. Mega Perfect. Town. That's absolutely perfect, that. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we're going to go off and have our clip, okay? Yep. Let's do it. So we're starting this sequence where they get onto the hover bike, which earlier in the film we had seen there's uh, malfunctions with and it's not going <laughs> yeah. too well. Um, the bike, okay, it's just so different from the comics version. Um, you're not too familiar with the comics version. No, um, no, no. It, it, it truly is a product of the 70s. It's like a massive, great big Harley Davidson with these massive, huge, great thick wheels and a big eagle on the front. Okay, lovely design, you know, brilliant design. Um, I know that Danny Cannon, the um, the director of the film, um, wanted to, you know, stick quite close to it, but uh, kind of like, you know, in the design stage, it was overruled, and we hmm. slimmed down to what we get there. Um, so, you know, uh, Dread and Rob Schneider, he, Fergie, he, 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 they get on the bike and it, it trundles off quite wobbly, I thought. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's not a very good, um, set piece. Uh, no. No. <laughs> let's, let's leave it at that. Um, <laughs> and they're being chased by the judge hunters. Now, in the comic, um, you had these guys, they weren't called judge hunters, they were called the SJS. Okay. okay. If if you imagine um, a, a judge's outfit, but instead of having the uh, little gold emblem on the front of the helmet, a skull. Okay. And they were sort of like uh, they were the guys who investigate. They judge the judges, basically. You know, yeah. they they're there to make sure that the judges behave and everything's okay. And this is a bit weird that you know Danny Cannon, you know, being a fan of the uh, the comic. Um, they decided to change things and not only redesign the look, but rename them. I mean, Judge Hunters sounds a bit naff, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. They, they, I mean, in, in the United States, it's called Internal Affairs. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, something like that. They, they could have they come up with something a little more interesting. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, off they go. They, they, they blast in a hole, uh, a hole in the wall. And uh, kind of like fall out of it, um, not too convincingly. <laughs> no. Um, as you say, we're in a transition time now, where you're, you're going from optical effects to computer effects, and it's a kind of like a mishmash almost, isn't it? You know. Yeah. This this scene is this scene is a blend of both, where you're you're dealing with miniatures, you're dealing with some CGI with the, when in terms of like flames, the unconvincing flames, like when something explodes. Uh, yeah, rotoscoping, 
So it, you've got a lot of the old, the old arts that became commonplace in the eighties are finally, or not, I won't say finally, that's, that's, uh, that, that, that makes it sound like I want this to end, but are, <laughs> are coming, are coming to, are coming to, to as far as they, they, they feel they could go with those effects. And now every things need to move in that digital direction in order for them to move with, move on to different types of storytelling. Yeah. But it's early digital. So when you get sparks as they hit things, they're just not convincing at all. No, are they? no not at all. Um, mm. Yeah. It's they're they're they and, and had this movie been made like even two years later, they probably could have, uh, could have been much more convincing in their effects. Hmm. You look yeah. at you look at the the stuff that was done on say, um, uh, uh, Starship Troopers, hmm. where there was that that's a great combination again not a not a great movie, but a great combination of practical and uh, digital effects, which is hmm. a year and a half two years later. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, the city as they fly through it, I mean, the city looks good, but the compositing is all wrong. You know, Um, there's when you see close ups of the two of them, their hair's barely moving. You know, they're flying (laughs) at this great rate, but their hair's not moving. Um, (laughs) And just, oh, I'm sorry, but Rob Schneider, he's just every time we, we, we get some sort of like witty exchange from him, it's just like, Oh man. Well, yeah. the scene that stands out is when he's like, oh, somebody's got to clean this seat. And <laughs> and Stallone makes that turning. And I, 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 I don't know if he actually does, but I think he goes, Ew. he does. He does. A, <laughs> it's just like, uh, I mean, it, I find it funny because it's so awkward and stupid, but you know, it. If we're talking comedy, it's not funny. No. no. Yeah, but I, I tell you what. While we're talking about awkward and stupid, uh, they're flying along, and then they come across this rather awkward and stupid, um, like hologram advert, which is like crashing open and closed, open and closed. It's sort of like an energy gate, but it's sort of like an advert. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but if it's an advert, why is it open and closing? Um, and one of their pursuers, one of their why, why would why would the advertisement be be uh, why would the advertisement be dangerous? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's like what the heck is this? And this sort of ridiculous, just stupid, stupid for the hell of it thing is what was spoofed so well in Galaxy Quest. You know, at the end where they got that that thing going, you know, crashing backwards and forwards, you know, that they mm-hmm. have to walk through, you know, Tim Allen and uh, Sigourney Weaver, you know. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I like your... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's how the whole audience was feeling. Yeah. Um, they dropped down to um, street level next okay and a bit like the 1981 no, sorry 1989 uh, batman film it it looks just like a sound stage i don't yeah. believe for one second you know that that's an actual future city you know yeah it it's it, it really it it does it it rings false yeah as you're watching it yeah 
Yeah, I, I think part of it is the camera is in very tight because they've only got a limited space on that soundstage to film this city scene. So the camera is in very tight. It can't pull back too far because you'll see the edges. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they've stuffed as many people in as they can. And it just looks too busy. No city is ever, ever yeah. that too busy, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely. Yeah. And it's very obvious that they've only got that one set because they keep redressing it <laughs> over and over. Just like the 89 Batman, they just keep redressing yeah, they, the same they, set over yeah. and over again. Yeah, you move Yeah, you move, move the trash can over here, put this piece here, then move this. It's a new street. Yeah. And also, I mean, anything like this, anything where you've got a future city, a future street scene, I have to compare it to Blade Runner which is my yeah. ultimate benchmark. And this way that th this falls way, way, way short <laughs> of, you know, be it costume design, you know, faces of the shops, whatever the, 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 the upper buildings, it's nowhere near Blade Runner's uh, league whatsoever. Yeah. It's that's, that is uh 100%, hundred percent true. It's been yeah. a long time since I've seen Blade Runner, but uh, I do re remember certain, Visual elements of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Compared to Blade Runner, when you see all these things here, it looks like a TV show. You know, it looks like a uh, a cheap TV show version of the uh, future, you know? Yeah. Anyway, uh, oh, man. They then go straight up the building. They go vertically up. Yeah. Like in, in Batman Forever, uh, with the Batmobile in Batman Forever. And just like in Batman Forever, it's like, Oh dear! <laughs> <laughs> now, while I'm watching it, it's like, oh, please end, please end. I'm not, I'm not engaged. I'm not excited. I'm not in it whatsoever. Yeah, this is uh, this is the point in the movie where you really you start to check out, and you're only about two thirds of the way through the movie. You're only about an hour into the movie. There's still a full half, half hour. After this, that you're like, okay, well, how are they going to end this? And they, 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 this, I mean, and this is other than the 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 opening sequence and and a in a, a fight scene out there on the um, out there in the 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 outside world. Mm -hmm. There, there's really not much that happens after this in terms of no. uh, plot. Um, I mean, I, I should say there's a lot that happens in terms of plot, but there's not a whole lot that happens in terms of stuff that makes you visually excited and and uh, invested in the film at this point. Mm, yeah. And I think, I don't know if it's deliberate or not. I mean, we've had this going up the front of the building. Um, and so you've got two, like, hover bikes, you know, racing each other. I don't know if it's a deliberate crib from Return of the Jedi, but when you've got the two bikes riding alongside yeah. each other, it's like uh, this is the speeder bike scene. Yeah, you know? and 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 the one jumps from one bike to the next. There you go. That's what I was just about to say. And then he jumps from one to the other. It's like this is a complete. This is the speeder bike scene from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. You know, for goodness sake. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> Thank goodness, that's the end of the sequence. Okay, it's uh, yeah, and um, uh, but uh, as as a sequence, as a as a time capsule, it is interesting to watch because of it being one of the last 
big budget Hollywood movies to primarily use the optical effects for mm-hmm. uh, for a, a large action sequence like that, where everything yeah. pretty much after that is when they do something in that vein goes more digitally or is shot more creatively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, when you go into behind the scenes on this film, you know... Um, um, you can't fault the you, you, you know the passion and the effort. As I say, Danny Cannon, uh, the director of the film, was a massive 2000 AD fan. Yeah. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I can't remember when it was. It was either the late, it must be late 80s. 2000 AD uh, did a competition of who would you like to see in a Judge Dredd film, okay? Mm. And Danny Cannon actually won it. Um, I'll, I'll put it up on Facebook, but he did this uh, cinema poster of um, who he, he would like to see in a Judge Dredd film. And the person he had playing Judge Dredd was actually Harrison Ford. Oh, uh, that would have been cool. Yeah, to it, have would, a, it would have been cool. <laughs> to have Harrison Ford, you know, a 50 year old Harrison Ford. Yeah. In yeah. that role, yeah. Yeah, a grizzled um, Harrison Ford. Yeah, so, um, you know, you can't. You can't lack his, you know, uh, enthusiasm and uh, knowledge of uh, of the Dreadverse. Um, they also roped in, you know, the likes of um, um, Kevin Walker and Chris Cunningham to design a lot of the stuff. So this was all fantastic. Somewhere in the mix, it all started going wrong, you know, and... Um, I think it might be a case of, you know, the studio executives getting involved and we've got to have a big name. I know they went to Arnold Schwarzenegger first for Dread Mm. and Stallone was second. Um, And you've got to think what would have happened if they had just, you know, not gone for such a big name and gone for a smaller name if things might have been a bit different, you know? They, I mean, honestly, they they could have... They, they, yeah, he's a little small. They could have went Van Damme in the role. Mm-hmm. He's a little, I mean, he's a little s- small in terms of stature because he is sh- shorter than some of those guys. He, he, he could have played if we're talking, if we're going at, at that time frame. He would have, he would have been okay in that role. Um, mm. Dolph Lundgren would have been fine in that role. Uh, I don't, I don't think they needed to get. You know, uh, a trained actor, uh, Dolph Lundgren, I think would have looked if if they wanted to go more comic related, would have looked uh, yeah. more more in the vein. So those are those are a couple people that that could have that could have taken the role on if they wanted to stick with uh, with with something that visually would be okay. But again, you don't need to be yeah, Juilliard posing. Yeah. I, I, I've seen online, you know, there's been um, talk of, you know, if they'd waited a couple more years after um, Schindler's List, maybe Liam Neeson. Neeson, uh, yeah. Because then you would have had a physically imposing person who had the acting chops to do it, you know. Well, Neeson, Neeson would have been cool because he, if they had done a Judge Red movie with Neeson and also nowadays and actually you could you could still use Neeson in, in the movie even though he's in his yeah. 60s uh, you could also use him for judge death the, the yeah 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 so yeah. he would he would be great for for both uh, you, they, they could definitely do that well the, the 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 places that this movie I think excels 
are in the the makeup design for the 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 family that the cannibals. Oh, the Angel Gang. The, I think I think that they excel there, and in in the the models like that the the the, the big robot. Yeah, ABC that's War. Hammerstein. He he's from the ABC Warriors, another um, comic strip in 2000 AD, um, which has been merged into the Judge Dredd universe. And yeah, he's the leader of the ABC Warriors. Spot on, absolutely. Uh, because again, Kevin Walker used to uh, not draw but paint um, the ABC Warriors. Um, so that is, and again, you can see that's Danny Cannon saying he's got to look like this and get Kevin Walker in to design this. He looked spot on. Unfortunately, he moved just like a puppet. Yeah. Because basically that's what he was. But no, no you're absolutely right. The Angel Gang, especially Mean Machine, yeah. looked abs- that That's exactly not only how he looks in the uh, comic, but that's his character. Out of all the characters you see in this film, Mean Machine is the one that is actually <laughs> the most accurate, you know? Yeah. And it, it's a shame that that scene was so. Did that. It's a shame they didn't have more to do with the movie because that was like the best part of the movie was that that whole that whole sequence. Yeah. And that, that's why I can't watch Walking Dead now. Whenever I watch Walking Dead, you know, Herschel in Walking Dead is Par Angel in Judge Dredd. You know, so. He is. I didn't even. I yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, funny. yeah. 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 That's Herschel. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking here. Scott Wilson. There he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I don't know how to sum sum this film up and this sequence up. I mean, it's interesting. As you say, it's a very interesting bridging between old school and new school. It, it, it's a product of its time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, bearing that in mind, what, do you, what would you give it out of 10? Oh, there's a big pause. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hard. Um I would give it. I would give it a four, right? Probably because you could tell that they were trying to be creative. They were. They were. They were trying to work within the the limits and the uh, the parameters that were presented to them. I'm, I'm talking about the the people who were working on the effects, and yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that they the budget for the effects was went out the window because, you know, I'm sure they paid Stallone $15 million to make this movie. So, so much of the budget went to the cast that they probably were like, Oh, well we have this much for the budget. So do what you can with this. Yeah. And you also have a month less than, (laughs) than we originally told you to do all this. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think if there had been less is not the right word, but, um, a smaller stature Hollywood star than Sylvester Stallone, it would have freed up more money for the effects. And, yeah. and it suffers because of that. Um, I'm going to be a bit harsher than you. Um, I'm going to only give it a three. Okay. Okay. So that gives us an average of three and a half. I, um, I follow Charles Lippincott, who's one of the producers of this movie on, yep. on uh, Facebook. And he'll occasionally post his uh memories of this film are there so he'll uh he'll he'll talk about it and he he talks about it it's it's kind of bittersweet because he he wanted he he wanted to make a movie that he, obviously you want to make a good movie but yeah he he would talk about the differences between what he wanted to do 
uh, aside with what someone else wanted to do and what actually was made. And so in some cases, it almost feels like he's apologizing (laughs) at times, although he's not really (laughs) apologizing. He's but he he he's he's one of those people that he sees the movie and he understands what could have what what he he knows could have been made. But Mm. he realizes. But this is what was made. So take it for what else. But we got to understand that we, we we've got to respect that and and understand that and you know now with the news that there is going to be a Judge Dread uh, TV show, who knows? You know maybe we will get, you know, uh, uh, a, a more true to the source uh, version. Yeah. You know, the the 2012 one that <clears throat> well then came out a few years back yeah. <clears throat> is a fantastic film. Um. So that one is really great as an introduction to Judge Dredd. But yeah, I, I, I would like to see them go with some of these more fantastic yeah. villains and characters because yeah. you you know it's like wow, it's like you see Mean Machine, you see you see the ABC Warriors, you see all the all the other Judge Death, all these characters that they could put into yeah. uh, the series that you just you're just itching to see how they can do that. If they had actually got the 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 world of the Stallone Dread and put that into the Carl Urban Dread, it'd be fantastic. You know, my problem with the Carl Urban Dread is Dread was fine, the judges were fine, absolutely fine, but it looked too real world because they didn't have the budget. If you had the budget of the Stallone one and injected it into the 2012 one to actually, you know, maybe there can be a fan edit where you can actually put <laughs> yeah. the Mega City one of the Stallone one into, you know, the Carl Urban 2012 one. That would look brilliant, wouldn't it? It you know? would. They're, they're, yeah, there's, you, you take the two together and you'll, you'll get, you'll get the, uh, a, a much more ideal film. And maybe this is what the TV show's going to be. So uh, let let's hope. Eh? Well, with uh, yeah, if with with television with episodic uh, storytelling, you can you can do a lot more. Mm. You don't need to have this far-reaching uh, plot that has to keep you interested for ninety minutes. You just have to have yeah. something that you can keep you interested for however long forty minutes. Yeah, and then but has this hopefully has this this. Uh, uh, story that that extends so you can have an yeah. adventure where he has to fight the angel gang but then but the overreaching thing is you have all these uh council judges that are corrupting yeah. things or something like yeah. that maybe maybe that's the problem with both films is it's such a mad manic huge universe uh, of Judge Dredd, you can't put it into one film. You need to either have an ongoing series of films or you have an ongoing series of episodes yeah. of TV. So maybe TV is the best, you know? For for this one, maybe. I mean, I, I, the, the, the 2012 one, I like it because it was basically a, a day in the life, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So this is, this is your average. If this is your average <laughs> Judge Day, it's like, oh, man. Yeah, if you're Joe, this is your day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. So. All right. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for your time today, Tim. Yes. And uh, head on over to Facebook, anyone, and uh, um, let's see what uh, we can come up with there. Okay. Thanks, then, and goodbye.